It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the 12th floor of 50 Pin Place in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the home of 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK. Welcome to the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G., Thanking you so much for making us a part of your day. And we are doing Late Night Locked on Thunder. Recording this episode at 11.03 Central Daylight Time. Hopefully you're using this as uh, your morning show. Wanted to come in and record after the Thunders win tonight over the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously we'll be discussing that win and how strange of a game it was coming up here on Locked on Thunder. I do want to encourage you that when you listen to this podcast, do so in your car. Use this on your drive to work. Use it on your way home. Uh, we're Hopefully we're fun and we're entertaining and you're enjoying what you're hearing, but uh, we're great company. I always like to say we are great company for whenever you are out, maybe you're heading to the sports bar, whatever, make Locked on Thunder a part of your day by asking your smart device to play us anytime inside your car. Coming up tonight, we will break down the action against the Brooklyn Nets. Thunder getting a 108-96 win. And as I said, a very strange game. I'll explain why it was a strange game. We'll talk about the reemergence of Paul George. Some things Russell Westbrook's doing. Plus, I have a lustful eye for one of the players on the Brooklyn Nets. I bet you can guess which one it is. If you don't know which one it is, we'll give you We'll give that away coming up in segment number one. In segment number two, um, if we don't get to everything about what Russell Westbrook's doing on the floor, we'll certainly touch on that in segment two, plus what Russell had to say in the locker room tonight when it came to discussing the incident in Salt Lake. And since we had our last episode, Russell Westbrook did get fined $25,000 I'll give you my thoughts on that, why I think the NBA is wrong. Then we'll preview the Pacers game tonight and discuss just how Pacer fans may treat Paul George and why we need to give a lot of credit to Nate McMillan, their head coach, for being able to keep that ship afloat. My name's Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also run a website called Thunder Maven. And that would be themaven.net slash thunder. Check it out. We post this podcast as well as stories from around the web. And I also do video wraps there. But we're building that. I'm excited about it. Some big things coming for Thunder Maven. And I'll explain that at a later date and time. Also, if you like this podcast enough to subscribe, Apple iTunes is always a good place to subscribe as well as LockedOnPodcast.com. The Oklahoma City Thunder get a very important win tonight over the Brooklyn Nets, 108-96 in the peak. And as of now, the Thunder are back in the third seed in the Western Conference playoffs. They're tied with Houston, but right now they hold the tiebreaker, and that's still a TBD situation. But ultimately, I thought this was a very strange game 
for a lot of reasons. And the first reason is, is that the Thunder never could really force the Nets to play the way that the Thunder wanted them to play until the last six minutes of the game. And that was despite the fact that Oklahoma City racked up 16 turnovers on the Brooklyn Nets tonight. They were having a very difficult time controlling the pace. And one of the reasons for that, and you got to give the Nets a lot of credit for this, is that the Nets went and mixed up their defenses all night long. They went from zone, they went to man, and it was very easy to tell that they didn't have a defensive identity. And when you don't have a defensive identity, the only thing you can really do is throw multiple looks at a team that you're playing against and hope that something works. And for a while, it was working for the Nets to mix things up with Russell Westbrook kind of being the only guy to keep this team afloat until Paul George got going. Billy Donovan praised his team after the game, saying that he thought they played 48 minutes worth of good defense. Um, No, I'm going to disagree with Billy Donovan on that one. And I'll even go back and I'll DVR the game tonight when I get home. So I should get home before midnight tonight and be able to DVR the game. But I want to go back and look because in that first half, the Thunder got exposed in the paint because Brooklyn had kind of set them up in a pick-your-poison situation. First of all, D'Angelo Russell, incredible passer. And every time Steven Adams came out to help on D'Angelo Russell, you saw no weak side help coming over to cut down the paint. So whether it was Jeremy Grant or somebody else who had that assignment, it wasn't happening tonight, and Jared Allen was able to get through to the paint in that first half more than a few times and get some easy baskets at the rim. Plus, just when the Nets wanted to go inside during that first half, there wasn't anybody there challenging them on the Thunder's end. In fact, the Nets tuned up the Thunder for 30 points inside the paint. Royce Young and I were talking about about this at the half, and I was like, I was like, all right, break it down for me. You know, what's going on? you know, with the whole situation, because what I'm seeing is Allen's getting free in the paint. He gave me his take on the situation and made note that he didn't think Steven Adams, he, he, he made the comment, Steven Adams just isn't a rim protector. Well, I start thinking about that for a second. And I, look, Royce watches this team more closely than I do simply because he's at every game. But what I see from Steven Adams is a guy that is tough inside the paint, that can block shots, that can alter shots, that is very good at getting offensive rebounds, if not the best offensive rebounder in the entire league, which keeps those possessions alive. To me, that defines rim protector. Even if he's not a guy that's going to block double-digit shots per game, he still does enough in the paint to usually make life a living hell for anybody he's playing, even some of those more athletic centers that you see Steven Adams have trouble with. Um, but I just didn't feel it from the Thunder tonight in this first in, in that first half that they were really committed to making sure that Brooklyn was going to stay out of the paint. And in the second half, whether it was by design or whether the Nets just decided to shoot a lot more jumpers, you didn't see the Nets attack the paint the way that they did in the first half. And ultimately, that was playing out to the Thunder's advantage. One of the most annoying things about that game in the first half tonight is I thought the Thunder were very active defensively in knocking a lot of balls loose in that first quarter, but unfortunately not able to show anything for it because the Nets would do a a great job of recovering those balls and not give Oklahoma City a chance to get started 
on the fast breaks and, and get the game going up tempo the way that the Thunder lo- loved to do. It just wasn't going to happen in that first half at all today. But the second half, things turned around for Oklahoma City. Paul George emerged, finally showing up from an offensive perspective tonight. Um, defensively, I think he's been great, but offensively, and George made mention of this after the game tonight, that he's still nursing that shoulder, that it's not 100% healthy. George is never going to be a guy to to make excuses. The Thunder obviously are going to be better with him on the floor than with him off it, if for no other reason, just to get, just to have his defensive presence. The Thunder are a hell of a lot better having Paul George on the floor, but if you watched his shot tonight, it was a lot more fluid, and as the game went on, he wasn't tentative going to the paint. He was able to drive inside, and if it was hurting, he certainly wasn't showing it, and it manifests itself tonight, 25 points, and him being 50% from the field, 50% from beyond the arc, and if the Thunder want any chance of advancing to the playoffs, they got to have 100% Paul George. Half of Paul George is better than no Paul George, and you'll take him on the defensive end, but the Thunder have proven that they just cannot make up for that offense, no matter how much Russell Westbrook is going to carry this team, and at one point... Russ had like Russ had like 10 points, the rest of the team had seven. But one thing I've noticed about Russ over the last five games, as he be as he starts to become more efficient, watch watch his volume of three-point shots that that he is taking. Because Russ it varies on night to night. It simply just becomes a matter of whether or not Russ is feeling it. And sometimes even if Russ isn't feeling it, you know he's still going to take those shots. But what I like about that is that defenses are willing to give it to him. He's willing to make it pay. And I don't think, look, if Russ is going to be efficient from the three-point line, here's what I find interesting about this. I believe defenses will continue to sag off Russell Westbrook and give him the opportunity to hit because they're just not convinced that he's going to be able to do that for a four-game stretch in a seven-game series. There's no way he's going to get hot. And the bad thing is, is if you start to playing, if you start to adjust to playing Russell Westbrook and guarding him on the three, then you're just going to leave other guys open, and all of a sudden, then Paul George can go nuts. And if Grant's feeling it or Ferguson's feeling it on a particular night, they'll be able to hit you as well. well I've got more observations from this game tonight. Um, we're certainly going to talk about it, and I'll tell you, coming up next, as a matter of fact, um, coming up next, I'm going to talk about having the lustful eye for a particular player on the Brooklyn Nets. And if I got at the lustful eye, like I'm very, I'm, I'm very careful about who I covet from other teams. I'll tell you who from the Nets I am coveting right here on the Locked On Thunder podcast. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is right around the corner, and the best place to go if you are a multiple bracket person, a person that just likes to pick the upsets, or you got that hot 16 seed that nobody's talking about, is MyBookie. That's right, MyBookie, who's been in business for years and has one simple goal, and that is to make sure that you get paid. And when I say you get paid and you get paid fast, we're talking within 48 hours. So if you've got the inside info that none of your friends have, take advantage of it by going to MyBookie and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's LOCKEDONNBA 
for a 50% sign-up bonus. Go to, go to my bookie, enter that Locked On NBA code, that Locked On NBA promo code, and make sure you get that 50% sign-up bonus. Bet with the best, kick back, relax, win, and get paid. It's my bookie, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. It's the midweek episode of the Locked on Thunder podcast. We're recording after the Thunder get a 106-98 victory, or excuse me, a 108-96 victory over the Brooklyn Nets tonight in the peak. Up next, it's the Pacers. We'll preview that game coming up here in just a moment. I will ask you that if you enjoy this podcast to listen in your car, that's always the best way to listen. It's the Locked on Thunder podcast, perfect for that drive to work or that drive home, and you can subscribe on Apple iTunes or at LockedOnPodcast.com. For as great as Russell Westbrook was tonight, and for as awesome as it was to see Paul George get back on his game, the guy I had the most fun watching the entire night was Spencer Dinwiddie. Dude averages 17 points coming off the bench, scored 25 tonight, but forget the stats. Okay, stats are just numbers. What makes Dinwiddie so much fun to watch, and I'm sure Paul George and Russell Westbrook are going to be seeing this guy in their nightmares tonight, as well as Billy Donovan, so thank God the Thunder don't play them the rest of the season, is that he can beat you in so many different ways. Um, guy is long and lanky and athletic, and tonight when you would see him drive to the to the rim, a lot of times he just flat out went in uncontested. It, it, just, it, it almost felt like Thunder players were just kind of giving up. It's like, man, he's hot. We're not going to touch him. Let him go. And I think part of the reason why... And I, I, part of the reason why I think you saw the Nets have so much success in the paint in that first half and why you saw Dinwiddie in particular be able to get to the rim with such ease is because the Thunder were afraid to foul. They've been fouling so much in the last couple of games. The last thing they wanted to do was continue to put another team at the line tonight. In fact, uh, the Nets just had 19 free throw attempts for the entire night. And it's been such a problem for Oklahoma City. One thing I was on the lookout for tonight, and Terrence Ferguson uh, did do this, and I can't remember who he fouled. It may have been D'Angelo Russell um, because I'm coming straight from the peak doing this and kind of trying to put it all together. But there was at least one foul Terrence Ferguson committed in the first quarter late in the shot clock. 
These are the things that Billy Donovan is stressing to this team to cut down on. He's all right if you're if guys are going to the rim and getting fouled because that's physical play and that's going to happen. But when you start committing the silly fouls out on the perimeter and when the shot clock's winding down, that's going to put your team in a hell of a lot of danger. And the other thing Billy Donovan's concerned about putting teams in the bonus. So that's why I thought the Thunder, or that's why they may have played tentative in the first part of this game tonight. But back to Spencer Dinwiddie. When he wasn't driving, he was hitting from the outside, and he was doing all of this with an injured thumb on his right hand, which is his shooting hand. He had broken it. He'd gotten it taped up. He'd gone through some other injuries. But tonight, he looked healthy. He is tough. And when 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 I lust after players, one thing I want to think when I lust after players and bring them to Oklahoma City, I want to think that there is a realistic possibility that the Thunder could get the, could get this guy and have him here. Um, so when, when Jimmy Butler was up for grabs, it really wasn't lusting after a guy like Jimmy Butler. I didn't really think it was possible for Paul George to come to Oklahoma City, so I didn't have my eyes on him. Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy that I would move heaven and earth to put here in Oklahoma City because of what he brings to this team. There is such versatility there, and you could use him. I mean, because of his size, I mean, the guy plays guard, and he's a guy he can easily fit into a one or a two so you can move him around and look, I not that I want to get rid of Dennis Schroeder, but I like him there. But I also think he's tall enough where you could put him at the three and he'd be a great guy to come in for Paul George if he wanted to play off the bench. Heck, he's so good. I'd like to start him, but he'd be kind of weird on the Thunder because what do you I guess you start him at the two. I mean, he's good enough defensively and offensively. You start him at the two and now you're bringing Ferguson off the bench. All right, do the deal. Get Robinson to Brooklyn, or Robertson to Brooklyn. Get Dinwiddie here to Oklahoma City. You guys down with that? Probably not going to happen. That's me wishful thinking. Uh, Russell Westbrook tonight, after the game, was asked about the situation in Utah and essentially what was it like basically for him to get back on the court and play after what had happened over the last 48 hours, and Russell Westbrook refused to talk about it. Which upset me at first. Really upset me that Russell Westbrook blew off Royce Young when he asked that question because it's an, because it's not just still one of the biggest stories in sports. It's an important story in sports that crosses so many different boundaries to the way fans treat player, to racial divide, so forth and so on. And Russell Westbrook didn't want to talk about it at all. Most likely, I would think, it's because he just got fined $25,000, which I still think is a bogus move by the NBA. It's a total bogus move by the NBA. No, you should not threaten a lady. And that's ultimately why I think Russell got fined more than the fan. But one, I don't think Russell would have gone over and punched a lady. I don't think he would have even punched the guy for as emotional as he is. Russell Westbrook is a smart, intelligent dude who keeps his emotions, he can keep them under control. He gets them all out on the court. Not going to happen. And I just just don't see him being the type of guy that would punch a fan unless he felt threatened. And that's the one thing you've got to know. Did he feel threatened in that situation? And Russ can certainly shed... A lot more light on this. I know he wanted to talk about it once and he wanted it to go away, but he certainly could shed a lot more light on it, which is one of the reasons why I always 
appreciated Carmelo Anthony because Melo wouldn't ever shy away from any topics like this. He wouldn't tell you about his shooting average, but he certainly wouldn't shy away from something like this. But I do want to ask this. What do we have the right to know as fans? Do we really have the right to know how Russell Westbrook's feeling? We want to know. Certainly, we would love to sit down and do a profile, but a lot of those times you do a profile, there's really nothing new you, you, that comes out of it. No, honestly, we don't have the right to know what Russell Westbrook's feeling. That's up to him to control that message. And the one thing Russell Westbrook is very good at is controlling a message and making sure that if he's in the news cycle, it's completely and totally on his terms as much as he possibly can. And for us, or it can, and for us, the media drives us absolutely nuts because let's face it, we want to control what the story is or what we perceive the story is. Russell Westbrook doesn't give us that opportunity. And for him, it's a very safe place. Just like being on the court is a safe place. And tonight when I watched Russell Westbrook play, I saw a guy that was loose, a guy that was having fun, and a guy that was enjoying being at work up until the time that he had to deal with us in the locker room. And by that time, I think he was just ready to go home because he knew, A, he was going to get asked about it, and B, I just don't think he likes that. And you can see all that on Thunder Maven. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, so how can we expect the Pacer fans to treat Paul George? We'll talk about that coming up here on Locked on Thunder. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I really hope you're listening in your car because that really is the best place to listen to this podcast or any of the other podcasts from the Locked On Podcast Network. And all you got to do is tell your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder podcast and uh, it'll do so. It'll pop up there in your car. My name is Eric G. And um, I work for the Locked On Podcast Network, and I thank you for listening to Locked On Thunder. Uh, Thunder tonight get the win over the Nets, and up next for them is the Indiana Pacers, second of a back-to-back, so no rest for the weary. And I think the big story coming into this game, uh, whether he wants to admit it or not, and honestly, I don't think anybody asked Paul George about it tonight. Nobody asked Paul George about the perception he is going to get in Indiana. And I read an article before I decided to um, start recording tonight about how the the, you know, the Pacers and George have both benefited uh, from the move. Everybody's moved on now. And honestly, it was from the Pacers website, so whatever. But the fans haven't moved on from this. And here's what I am afraid is going to happen 
tonight is maybe Indiana fans got over it and they were embracing Victor Oladipo and they love him because he's an Indiana guy and essentially he's good enough to get them where they were with Paul George and maybe even to be a little bit better than what they were with Paul George when he gets back healthy. The problem is, is this Anthony Davis thing came up in the news. And I have to think that for Pacer fans, that's still sparking some old emotions. And because of that, and it being such a recent topic, I expect some boos to be hurled at Paul George. And I expect some things that hopefully aren't near as bad as what was said to Russell Westbrook, probably going towards Paul George as well. The other thing that that sort of plays into this, remember, this was the same fan base that went after LeBron James' teammates, letting them know that LeBron wanted to trade them. So is as much as they may have appreciated Paul George in the past, Indiana and Oklahoma have a kinship as far as when you are in the state, you're playing for that, you're one of them. When you leave, you are no longer one of them, depending on the circumstances that you leave. And for Paul George, he was open, he was honest, he was transparent. It's worked out well for both teams. But sometimes I know old habits die hard. And as far as this game goes tonight for Oklahoma City, um, I don't know that there's anybody that really worries me or how the Pacers play worries me. The play, It's interesting. Both teams are kind of mirror images of each other as far as the schedules that they have played over the last few days. Uh, the Pacers, in two of their last three games, have had to deal with the 76ers and the Bucks. Got a little help by playing the Knicks to, to get back off a losing streak. Thunder have been playing a lot of playoff teams. So you're talking about metal sharpens metal. That's kind of the situation tonight. But for Oklahoma City, more than having to deal with any specific player uh, tonight on the uh, on the Pacers, for me, it's about playing your brand of basketball. Doing the things you didn't do tonight against the Brooklyn Nets to make sure you have control of the game from start to finish. So in other words, getting steals getting out in front, pushing the tempo, playing a more physical brand of basketball. Don't be, here's the thing about the fouls. Don't be worried about the hard fouls in the paint. Don't be concerned about that. Don't be concerned about the referees. Thank God tonight I was at the game. Didn't have to hear about the referees. Uh, Don't be concerned about that. But be mindful of your surroundings and know that when it's getting late in the shot clock, there's no reason to foul because chances are the guy you're playing against may have a bit of a panic attack and put something up, and you've got a really good rebounding team, should be able to get the balls and should be able to get the balls coming off the rim and get them going the other way. So by the way, save that, collect it, use it for uh, a later date and time with that last one. But it is tough. You're going there. It's the second of a back-to-back Thunder left. Um, if they haven't left now, I know that they're about to leave soon and probably going to get in very early in the morning. And don't catch yourself looking ahead to GSW, which is coming up on Saturday. And I don't think the Thunder will. I think it's been, um, I think some of the recent struggles that Oklahoma City has gone through, if anything, has probably made them a lot more focused. Where in the past, I think had they been cruising, a game like this with Indiana would have been easy to look over. But with so much still on the line. I don't expect that to be the situation for the Oklahoma City Thunder. That wraps up the Locked on Thunder podcast for today. This is the Wednesday slash Thursday morning. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday afternoon 
to uh, talk a little more Oklahoma City Thunder basketball. And until then, um, I wish you nothing but the best. May God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. Lord knows we need that right now. And peace, love, and thunder out. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.